0: Welcome to Out of the Ordinary, the show that helps you grow a daily life that matters. I'm Christy Purifoy. And I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And really, this conversation this week is for all of us who are trying to
1: make sense of the weird bits and pieces of our story. Like, are they just like leftover vegetable fried rice? Like, no real sense of meaning, but it tastes good. Or are there layers of flavor and intentionality we don't immediately notice? Like, can you tell what we had for dinner last night? But seriously, I can't stop thinking, Christy, about how I'm nearly 50, and I really needed this conversation. It's what I need to see the design behind my journey, the creative beauty in the chaos.
0: Yeah, Lisa Joe, this is for everyone who feels themselves getting older and is spending time looking back in order to figure out where they're headed. Also, it's about your new book, so get comfy. <laughs> Here we go.
1: Well, listeners, if you follow me on Instagram, you got to come with me to Chrissy's house this past weekend. It was fun to be there. I think I did not say this on the gram, but we were there for Peter's birthday. So what did he want for his birthday? To be with old friends. And you are our, our oldest. I, I don't mean in that in a pejorative way, like longest standing.
0: Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Oh, that was a great day. Yeah, it was Monday because it was a holiday here in the U.S. So it was really, really good to spend it with our favorite people. Thanks, friend. It was a really special day. And. There was a moment you and I
1: shared where we're sitting in front of your beautiful bookshelves that everybody comments on. So, friends, if you're wondering what we talk about, you really just go follow me on Instagram at Lisa Joe Baker or, and follow Christy at Christy Purifoy. And I actually have a saved story on my Instagram stories called Maplehurst so anytime I visit Christy and I do some storying I save it there and it's fun to go back Christy because I can look through all the seasons like all this time that's passed and I can watch all these different stories so there we were in winter visiting you guys it was really beautiful and we were sitting in the I guess you call it the parlor, but I always call it the library because all of your gorgeous floor to ceiling bookshelves that stretch an entire room, just like a library, with a rolling library ladder and a fireplace. I mean, you're basically <laughs> sitting in the Gryffindor common room when you come to uh, Christie's library. <laughs> that makes me so happy. You're right. It's yes. So cozy. Yes, yes. yes. And we were sitting together, and she said something to me that I haven't been able to stop thinking about, and it's relevant this week because I'm holding in my hands Christy's third book that just came out yesterday called Garden Maker, Mm -hmm. but before you worry that this will be a conversation just about books— we wanted to bring to you this very interesting conversation, Christy and I had, not about books, but about, I guess I would say, purpose, right, Christy? Mm. We were talking about purpose and mm-hmm. how there are parts of our story, some that started decades ago and some that's right now. And I think it's really at the intersection of all of those parts where we are reminded God isn't just allowing randomness in our lives, but He is actually knitting together a pattern. And for me, the metaphor of that pattern was your book that I was holding at the time. So I think maybe the best place to begin this episode is to read to our listeners Christie's bio that has lived on the internet, I feel like, ever since you started casually blogging, even. You're
0: right, right. Which would have been 2010. So 12 years ago. 12 yeah, years yeah. you've described yourself this way. And
1: I'll, I'll just read it. It says, Christy earned a PhD in English literature from the University of Chicago before trading the classroom for a picket-fenced garden and an old writing desk. Today, she grows zucchini, her fork Kids refuse to eat. The zucchini loving chickens are perfectly happy with this arrangement. And this bio makes me smile so much because when you wrote about zucchinis, it was because you had a vegetable garden Mm -hmm. at the time. When I Mm -hmm. used to visit you and stay in the upstairs room that now belongs to your oldest daughter, I would look out the window and I could see the vegetable garden and I ate zucchinis out of that garden. But it has been a while since you've grown vegetables.
0: That's right. I have not grown zucchini, especially in quite a few years. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And I haven't, well, I used that bio for a long time, I think, without thinking, but you're right that it has changed in the way that my garden has changed. And not only has my garden changed from zucchini to basically just flowers, (laughs) um, but my life has changed in the sense of like, where I feel most rooted. So, when I first started sharing my life online and beginning to write, you know, I was coming from that academic world and that was my identity and that was how, that was what I had to sort of explain myself to people. And I remember even when I started blogging and I was sort of searching for what is it that I write about? And I would, write about poetry a lot, because that's what I was used to doing. So I would like once a week, I would share a poem and I would write about it. And that was very much me sort of searching for like what it is that my voice was meant to amplify. Well, that's because it was Christy the Professor, right? It was, right.
1: For those listeners who don't remember, do you want to give us like the, the nutshell of Christy the Professor?
0: Right, Lisa, just so I always intended to be an English professor. I never had any intention of being a writer. I mean, writing is a part of being an English professor, absolutely, but I actually used to tell people in graduate school, um, oh, I'm not so much a writer as a reader and a teacher. Like, I really felt like I was better at teaching than writing. Joke's on me (laughs) because now I look back and think, oh, I don't know that I was so good at the classroom. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, my dear, I want to say bless her heart, you know, she she just didn't know. But and I absolutely didn't see myself as a gardener. So, yeah, I was 10 years in Chicago in graduate school, and it was there that I only really accidentally started gardening because winters were so long. And so, when a grad school friend invited me to share um, a plot in a community garden space, like in an a, a abandoned empty lot, it just sounded like, well you know, green things. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> but I mean, that's like as far as it went. Um And then it was coming here to Maplehurst in Pennsylvania, where I knew my life had taken a turn and I had chosen that turn, but I was still making sense of it. I, I knew that I wasn't any longer an English professor. I knew that that wasn't the path I was on, but what path was i on like what was my purpose now who am i now and i think the fear was like i had burned bridges and now what was the point of all those years of phd study and teaching poetry like what was the point of that um yeah these were questions i had for a long time and slowly i think i've been f- seeing the pieces fit together but you're right it's it's with this book that i'm actually holding something in my hands that almost in and of itself, is is the pieces <laughs> coming together.
1: Well, yeah. as someone who's watched you and been part of that journey, what's interesting, looking back now, so here I am holding Christy's third book in my hands. It's called Garden Maker. It's heavy. It's thick. It's filled with photographs and essays and instructions for gardening and descriptions and names of flowers, both the scientific name and the common name. And then my favorite is like reasons to love that flower. So that's just Christy sharing with you. But in, in lots of ways, it's sort of a memoir too. It's a story of a gardener who was also an English professor. And I have loved holding this book because it is like a map. <laughs> of of your exodus, your experience of coming out of one place and arriving at another place, only to discover it wasn't like you left all of you behind and became this other person. And I think for a lot of us on this journey, especially when we try and reconcile maybe work experiences we've had or places we've lived or stages of our lives with where we are now, there can be seasons where we've tried to, like, camouflage, chameleon into where we are. So I remember when you started online, it was almost like it wasn't cool to have a PhD in literature. Like that somehow didn't jive with being a blogger. Mm -hmm. There was this weird season where we didn't talk about those things. I remember I didn't talk about having a law degree. People were so surprised to discover that about me not that mm-hmm. having a PhD somehow makes you better or more special, but it was almost as if the vibe of being a blogger was that mm-hmm. you were in the trenches writing daily. You didn't, right, you didn't right. need to have a degree and somehow a degree made you seem like you were supposed to be in a different kind of community, not in this fly by the seat of your pants. We write late at night community. Does, does that make sense? That's how it felt it to does. me at least.
0: Yeah. And I think that's real. that That's, why I struggled to even know, like, not only who am I, but what do I have to offer? Yeah. Because now I'm not, like, before what I had to offer was, you know, an understanding of how to read great literature, and I would pass that on to my students, but I'd stepped out of that world, so that's no longer what I'm trying to offer. If I'm now writing about my faith and life online, I'm, I'm readers don't want that, and that's not what I'm aiming to give. So, what am I aiming to give? So, yeah, I would write about parenting, I'd write about my kids. And then I'd write about a poem. (laughs) And then I moved here and I started to write about a place. Right. It's funny that you just said readers don't want that.
1: It's funny how we make assumptions about what people do or don't want from us based on what the people around us are providing or giving. So true. Right. And so there's this sense. I mean, you see the trend everywhere where if TikTok is dancing and pointing at words, then we 40 somethings feel like we should be dancing and pointing at words, you know, like mm-hmm. there's this compulsion to do what's happening around us. And there's a great quote I read from Adele recently, where she was talking about, they're all these up and coming singers, and they're wonderful and gifted and young. And they are, they're talking to people at a very specific time in their lives. And Adele said, something along the lines of, but I need to write for my peers because who's writing for us? Who's writing for us? And so I think part of what I've loved about your journey (laughs) is you did come from a place where it was almost like you had to, I mean, I don't know if this is true. I'm reading into your thoughts here and reading this bio, (laughs) but it always felt like you needed to minimize your University of Chicago. I traded the classroom for, and then it sounds like very like sort of, hippie blogger, fly by the seat of your pants, you know, picket fence garden and an old writing desk, you know, yeah. it's like,
0: Do you know what I'm, I'm remembering right now, Lisa Joe? and I didn't check this, I, I could be wrong, but sometimes even our memories of how things are, yes, tell us something. So right. in my memory, my first book, and I I think on the book but maybe it was elsewhere in the marketing. This is where I, I can't remember exactly. But in my mem- memory, I remember looking at the bio that my publisher had chosen and it doesn't mention that I have a PhD. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't say Christy wow. Purefoy PhD. It doesn't yes. min- it doesn't mention that anywhere in the little bio. Right. And I remember noticing that at the time and and thinking to myself, "Oh, that was a deliberate choice." And I think that was a choice to make me Seem like a re- I'm a relatable writer. I'm not an uh, some sort of authority expert writer. You know, like we go to the PhDs for certain kinds of books, like mm. teaching books or theology, or you know, expertise from a doctor, or like that's where we're looking for degrees. Right. But the kind of book I was writing wasn't that kind of book. Ooh. So I think I think they did make a deliberate marketing decision to leave that off. And I wasn't a- offended. I, I totally understood. I thought did they know? I thought two. I thought two things. I thought oh, I get that. That makes sense. And I thought, number two, I feel sad about that. Mm. I feel like some really important part of my life doesn't matter anymore. Sure. I felt both. I felt both. Yeah. And, and so did they know they knew you had a PhD in English? Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. That's You know what? This is, this is going to turn into some kind of weird psychotherapy conversation because <laughs> I have written three books, two Bible studies, and in none of them does it mention I have a law degree. Yeah. I'm pretty sure of it. And I will take that is on me. And right, for right. the same we, we reason. We tend to write those bios. Yeah. I mm-hmm. thought that, but I'm in this different world now. And in order to have the credentials for this new world, I need to be a good writer who has a blog community and is kind of shooting from the hip. You know, I'm in the trenches of motherhood and I love what I wrote. I mean, love my books. They're authentically me. But I think as I get older, I have started to include more of my law degree in my bio because it shaped who I am. It's the education I had. It was a large part of and still is of how I see the world. Mm -hmm. The reason we're unpacking this conversation that began on the sofa in Christie's library is that I was holding the book. And as I looked at it and I paged through it. I was astounded to discover that there she was, all the parts of my friend. There's, oh. the, there's the professor, <laughs> there's the gardener, there's the photographer, there's the blogger. Because you have learned to write in a way that appeals like this is essay style writing in this. And then I flipped to your About the Author. I'm going to read your new bio that okay. I feel like is this perfect, beautiful acknowledgement of, all these parts of you it says Christy Purifoy is a writer and gardener and is I love that writer came first but you're like writer and gardener and you put them on, on par with one another like they're equal they hold equal weight they're equal parts of your life you love them both a writer and a gardener who loves to grow flowers and community and that's a big shift no mention of zucchini this time around <laughs> <laughs>
0: No zucchini, (laughs) just beautiful flowers and gatherings with people. Yes, you're right. (laughs) Yes, and I remember
1: the day when I arrived at your house and you guys had completely raised the the vegetable garden to the ground and had taken out all the beautiful white picket fences that you mentioned in your other bios. Mm There's no vegetable garden and you told me you were going to grow flowers and I really did not know how to respond to that. That just, (laughs) it was so odd. I, I just was like, okay. 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 Weird. Don't, what does that? What? How do you? What does that mean? Like you have plants, you have pots in your house, and then you paid for a giant truckload of manure to be dumped right. outside your front door, and you just kept saying, "This is this is going to be the flower garden." It's very hard to visualize, <laughs> and now it is this lush, incredibly beautiful, intentional, designed space that does grow flowers and hosts so much community. So many people Mm -hmm. who have come and sat in the flower garden. But continuing on, she is the author of two memoirs, Roots and Sky and Placemaker. And then it says, Christy earned a PhD in English literature from the University of Chicago. And I guess I'm going to pause there, too, because I think it's beautiful that you've invited the University of Chicago back into your bio. You know, it's one (laughs) thing to just say you have a PhD, but listeners, if you know, you know. University of Chicago is a very prestigious place to get your PhD from, (laughs) And it is funny how we feel like we're not allowed to own those things. Like somehow it isn't it weird that in circles where you were teaching, you would have Mm -hmm. to say that a Ph.D. from the University of Chicago. But somehow we view that as that's detracting from my street cred if I add that in to myself as a blog writer or a podcaster. And maybe you're listening and you're thinking that's ridiculous. Nobody feels that way. But maybe you have something in your life where you feel like when I'm at the PTA or when I'm at work and my office job, I can't talk about my hobby, glass glass blowing or my love for horses or whatever it is. We, compa- we compartmentalize these parts of our lives because we feel like we're supposed to be a certain person in certain places but man the joy of being older and I'm thinking about it a lot these days as I'm like three years from 50 and my brain is like I'm gonna need the full three years I think to prepare for it but this is one of those things this embrace of all the parts of our story and it's so encouraging so yes Yes. University of
0: Chicago there you are in Christy's bio (laughs) shout out yeah and not only like an embrace of all the the pieces and parts of ourselves, but maybe this is actually what has allowed me to embrace them is um, a, a better sense of their value and how they fit together and how they make a wholeness. Whereas mm-hmm. for years, it didn't feel like a wholeness. It felt like maybe some wrong turns I'd taken or yeah. some, you know, okay, now I'm in a different place. I'm on a different path and I no longer see that. Now I see it as like one solid path. That you know, God has guided me on from day one. I can I see something whole, and I feel something whole, in a way that that I didn't before. So yeah, I like how it goes on to say, but
1: it still says this line. But eventually traded the classroom. But you don't just say anymore for an old. What, what was the line before about the desk? It said, um, yeah,
0: like traded the classroom for, for a for farmhouse and a writing garden desk and, and an
1: old writing desk. Yeah, And now it says traded the guard, traded the classroom for an old Pennsylvania farmhouse called Maplehurst. And I just think that's such a sense of owning your name. And it's funny, I guess I've watched too much BBC lately, but it does feel like, you know, kings and queens and lords who would like discover who they really are and own that name and title and position in the... In the country, you know, there's this sense of like owning who, can you say, God has has called out of you to be? You know, here are all the pieces of the puzzle. It's so beautiful. And then it says, where along with her husband and four children, she welcomes frequent guests to the Maplehurst Black Barn. For me, every mile marker of your journey is named here writer, gardener, PhD, Chicago, English literature, classroom.
0: Farmhouse barn. barn. Yeah. <laughs> barn, where I do sometimes now teach poetry. Isn't that wild? <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. Full circle. Full, 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 full circle. circle. Yeah. It's, yeah, I had goosebumps actually at some points when you were sharing that. It's wild. And I guess what, what I want to unpack for our listeners is what it feels like along the way. So, it's Mm -hmm. one thing to describe how great it feels today. Like, yay, you know, the pieces have come together and they're in the form of this book. But how it feels along the way is often like confusion, uncertainty, doubt, questioning, and at certain key points, fear. Mm -hmm. Like, so much fear because at a few points, people were almost calling me into things or calling things out that they saw in me that made me just feel so nervous and even afraid to go in that direction. So I can remember. So you mentioned Garden Maker is full of co- photographs, and these are photographs I took mm-hmm. in my own garden. Every single one, except actually, I should point out um, <laughs> my author photo uh, in the very is in the back of the book. I'm, yes. I'm looking now. It's, I, I believe it's in the very back of the book. Yep, about the author. That photo was taken by my son, Bo, who was I think really? was 11 I when he not took that. that. He's almost 13 now, but mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so except for that one, I took all the photos. But um, I can remember a, a couple key moments. Um, so when I first... Left academia, left my job teaching in Florida, and started this blog. My sister was visiting, one of my sisters, and she had a blog at the time because she's a very talented photographer, and at that time spent a lot of time doing photography. And uh, so she helped me set up my blog, and I told her, Kelly, the reason I haven't wanted to do this is because I feel like a blog should be beautiful, like visually, and I I can't take—I'm not a photographer— so I asked her, can would it be okay if I did the writing but I used your photos to as the illustration. So back in the days if you remember blogs, they always had the same formula, a photo and then the essay. Or if the writer was actually a photographer, the essay would be interspersed with great photos. Right, right. Mine just usually had the photo at the top and then the essay. Um, and then when you shared the blog, as we used to do, you'd share it on Facebook mm-hmm. or um, so on, it would have that little image connected to it. So it'd be yeah, pretty and someone might click on it. So I used my sister's photos um, and I couldn't imagine anything else. And then I moved to Maplehurst and I started writing about this place. Well, but I wasn't a photographer, so what to do? So my sister visited, bless her. She first came in the fall, we just moved in, and she came again in the spring, and both times, thank you, Kelly, she took tons of photos I remember. of the place and the yes. house. Like, she, like purposely, we'd go around the house just taking random photos of everything, and then um, she would leave them with me so that I could use them for all my writing during the year. Um, so even here, I was still using, I was using photos of this place, but I was using Kelly's photos. And I remember her always telling me, Christy, you could do this, like you could learn, you could get a camera. And I just poo-pooed that. I just thought, no, I don't have time, I'm too old, no, 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 I, no, I cannot. And then another time I was at a conference, I've shared this story just a couple times, um, I can't remember if I've shared it on the podcast before, but it's worth mentioning again, um, I was at a conference, and um, it may have even been the first time I got to meet in person. Uh, a good friend of mine, some of our listeners will know, um, the dear writer Shelly Miller. Um, Shelly sadly passed away not so long ago, really quite suddenly, just shortly after the release of her last book, which is wonderful. Definitely look for Shelly Miller's books if you haven't yet. But Shelly um, looked at me. We were all sitting around, just a small group of us in a, in a hotel room casually talking and I can still see her across the room. She looked at me and um, and she was someone who had, who was taking photos. She was a good photographer. In her last book, she writes about her photography, but she looked at me and she said, Christy, you, I don't know if she said you need or you should or what exact word, but basically she told me, Christy, you should learn to take your own pictures. I think photography is, you, you should do it. It's for you. You should walk in that way. And I remember feeling both terrified and resistant, like, no, I don't want to do that. That sounds hard and scary. And also feeling like, oh, Shelly said it. Shelly's always right.
1: <laughs> she called. Well, I'll just intersperse at this moment that I think you already had to know because if you don't, you have to follow Christy on Instagram. Your Instagram feed for a long time had already been in many ways like a photography portfolio. It's very moody. It has unique angles on the house, on the flowers. One of the things I love especially about your Instagram feed is how the color palette changes with the seasons. Yeah. So in the winters, it'll be very dark and moody. The falls are these rich, vibrant jewel tones. And then, of course, summer and spring feel the way you think they should look. And I, for years, you know, I had been on Instagram before you. I've never been good at taking photos. I'm much better with words. And so I remember when you joined, looking at your pictures and thinking, how how does she know? And I feel like we actually had conversations where I would say, but how do you know? Like, how do you know what photo to put with what photo? Like, how do you know? what? (laughs) I don't understand. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. And I think it just made... For me, it was a language that you spoke. So I can appreciate why Shelley would have called you to step out then into the the bigger canvas of taking, you know, the pictures beyond just Instagram photos.
0: Right. Cause I, I think it was it was the gift of like my first smartphone <laughs> with you know like somewhat decent photo capability that allowed me to do that and to play with it. And, you know, maybe that's like a lesson, kind of a take home for all of us actually is sometimes I I wasn't intentionally doing this, but if you know, like, You really actually do want to do something, but it scares you or it feels too hard. Like, you can kind of trick yourself into it by just playing. Yes. And so, because the iPhone made photography super easy and Instagram made it easy with their little filters and I got, like, a really easy, fun photo editing app that someone recommended. Like, it was just playing and it wasn't serious and it felt easy But it was practice. It was practice towards seeing and paying attention and figuring out how to frame things and thinking about light like it actually was in that sense, actual, you know, practice and practice photography. Um, and then I was just always scared to take it to the next level, scared to buy a real camera, scared to edit my real camera photos, um, just because, you know, that you need that kind of image for a book versus, you know, just my iPhone photos that are great for online, but not for the printed page necessarily. Um, but I think I did sort of trick myself into it. I didn't know what was happening, but it was happening. <laughs> I was doing the thing I was afraid to do. <laughs>
1: so. I think those behind the scenes are so fun to think about. And I feel like we should continue the photo conversation deeper. So there are a few things about the photos that I think are interesting. So not only did you teach yourself how to take pictures, you then had to figure out for this book, how to take pictures that you were in. Right. That you Garden were taking. Yes. And so <laughs> if you if you have the book, um, and even if you haven't, you can look at the photograph on the show notes. Christy is on the cover of this book right. and I think we should share some of the BTS here about how this cover picture came about because I'd like to point out that in the acknowledgements, Christy actually thanks me I didn't know you would actually do that it made me so happy I'm yeah. going to read it because look at me, I'm such a two we love public, um, public acknowledgement, it's one of our favorite things public praise makes us happy but she writes here, thank you as well to my friend Lisa Joe for guiding me toward the just right cover photo (laughs) i remember conversations with you via voxer lengthy conversations where Mm -hmm. you kept insisting on a photograph and i actually wrote it down i believe it's on page if so if this is why you want the book in your hands you guys so you can look at this behind the scenes page 175 there's a little blue flower i don't even know the name of this flower
0: it's a very odd name. I can never remember it. Yeah, it's, oh, that makes we'll put me it feel in the better. show notes. It's, it's like a little bulb you plant in fall, and it comes up in spring. And it's a name nobody knows. It looks it, like, like starts a, with an O. <laughs>
1: it's very small. It looks like a little star almost, and it's yeah. sort of a periwinkle blue color. And it's the background is this deep green grass. It's very moody. It's the kind of picture you would definitely see on Christie's Instagram feed, and she was in love with it for the book cover.
0: I was, yes, I was, and. And you told me and you were right. <laughs> Actually you were very kind. You didn't tell me. I processed with you. Yes. I gave yeah. you lots of space to come to your yeah, conclusion. No, you you were yeah, you were very <laughs> gentle and wise in, in helping me process because I was reaching out, I think. I I think I was still trying to process, but initially I just loved it. And at the end of story done. Right. Um but then I think someone else someone else involved in the process, you know, just asked a question about it and yeah. And, and wondered if the cover photo shouldn't evoke more of a garden, right? Because a mm-hmm. single flower sort of like that isn't necessarily a garden. It could just be a sort of wildflower or something. So, right. somebody asked, well, would it be better to have a cover that sort of says garden? So, I think I was bringing that question to you. And and here's something else about my personality. I just, I don't like decisions. I just want decisions to be done. So, in my mind, they chose a beautiful photo. They made a beautiful cover. It was beautiful. End of story. And it was and I think in my mind as well yeah the point was like like I love beauty, so beauty wins beauty's everything like it was beautiful <laughs> the end <laughs> but no, but you 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 listened and you asked questions and you helped me think about the message of the book and the readers who would be looking at the book and um, you sort of invited me to consider a photo that um, would first of all exemplify you know the book which is about a gardening life um not just a flower but a gardening life and living that life and being the garden maker well that's the thing i said the book is called garden maker right where
1: where are you like you're the garden maker and we want to see We talked about how a cover needs to be like a front door. It needs to feel really inviting. It doesn't have to be the prettiest picture you have. Exactly. It has to be the picture that will make somebody open the door. Mm -hmm. And I will say, as part of this behind the scenes, a year, I mean, probably more than a year before that, you had sent me a Google Drive with your photographs for this book. Some of your early photos. There probably wasn't all of them, but there were hundreds of them. It was a lot, yeah. yeah. And... First of all, I think that was such an act of trust. I felt so honored that you would share that with me. Second of all, I was completely blown away. I remember showing them to Peter and saying, can you believe Christy took these pictures? It's wild. Like, look at these (laughs) photographs. But the cover that is now on your book, this photograph of you bending down, admiring your garden, you're wearing the floppy garden hat that I'm so used to you wearing. It's obscuring your face a little bit. But behind you, you can see this iconic symbol of your flower garden, the little gardening
0: shed that I believe the Amish built, a local builder. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I live near Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. So, yeah, it's an Amish made garden shed. Uh-huh. And it is an identifier. So when yeah. you see that, you think Christy Purifoy's garden.
1: And there you were. When I got that folder... Now, nearly two years ago and saw those pictures, I remember thinking, this is the most exquisite photograph I've ever seen. I actually emailed you how much I loved that photograph. And so when we were talking about a new picture for the cover and I had said, I think it needs to look like a door. It needs to look it needs to somehow speak to the place, like where the garden maker is from. And you, before you sent to your publisher, sent me, I think, three or four pictures. And this was one of them. And I had secretly been hoping it would. And I told you, don't send your publisher any other photographs. Just send them this picture of you because friends, this is Christy. This is like Christy in her element in her garden, with her shed in the background. Everything about this says both garden and gardener, Mm
0: -hmm. but it also says
1: approachable gardener everyday gardener, gardener that could be you or me in this picture. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And so that brings us full circle to say you have to explain how you took this picture because I remember asking you that when I saw it two years ago saying, did John take this picture? Like, how how did you do this? Because it's Mm -hmm. exquisite. And I love the story behind how it ended up on the cover, this beginner picture.
0: Yeah, it's wild because so I did buy a new... So when I signed the contract... In Fear and Trembling, saying that I would not only write this book, but take the photographs. And I should just pause and say that I had only got that far in the process because I had kept telling myself, okay, when it actually comes time to like have a contract with a publisher, they're going to come and tell me, okay, actually, since you're not a professional photographer, we just want you to write it and we're going to hire someone else to take the pictures. So, I kept telling myself that. Like, that's what's going to happen. Right. And then… Lo and behold, <laughs> they believed in me, and the contract came and it was there that I would take the photos and I would write the book. And of course, terror, but it's too late now. And also at that point, I knew, like I knew I was supposed to, even though I was scared to do it. I knew I was supposed to. So signed the contract. First thing I did, I bought a camera. I bought a real camera. Not the fanciest, um, but I bought a Canon. 80D, I think it's called. I should have checked that. And
1: we should link that in the show notes because somebody's going to ask and say, "I want to know what camera you shoot." Yeah, you know,
0: actually, I've got it right here because I was just downloading some photos for the next book. Dun dun dun. dun, dun. Um, But this one is so it's a Canon a Canon 80D, like EOS is on here too. Canon 80D, so a, a very good camera. But not, not the highest end, like for a wedding photographer, because I knew that I needed a good camera. But if it's too good, then it would just be, wa- it would be wasted on me and it would be hard to use. So I was kind of looking for that middle, mm. middle ground. So it's been a great camera. Got some lenses for it because that's important. And so I had, I had purchased this camera, started taking pictures with it. And then, like you said, realized, um, I've, I've got to add some life, not just. Flowers, but some life to some of these images. This is a book about the garden maker. I need to be in here, and so sometimes I would ask my husband or my kid to, you know, hit the shutter button for me, and I would be in there. Um, But that's really hard because uh, I'm—they're not photographers, so they're not framing it right. They're not necessarily focusing right. Um, But I knew that the camera I'd purchased as a new camera is. is has all the kind of Wi Fi, Bluetooth sort of stuff that we have nowadays where it could connect to my phone. So I did a thing that is so hard for me to do, Lisa Joe. I pulled out the manual <laughs> and I read all the things. And then I went on YouTube and I Googled. How to do, you know, and I watched videos about how to connect my phone and my camera. So then I went out into the garden and that's the day you see on the cover of the book. I went out in the garden and I hastily like, you know, threw on the outfit, not, not, let me just stay right here, not (laughs) intending the image to be anything good, or certainly not to go in the garden the intending to shoot I, a cover photo that day. Not yes. thinking <laughs> I was shooting a cover photo, threw <sighs> on these clothes that I thought okay, neutral enough. Went out into the garden and and started practicing setting up my camera on the tripod, having it connected to my phone, then walking in front of it and holding my phone in a way where it's hidden, but I could see on my phone on the app what my camera was seeing i didn't realize that so you can actually see on your it's not because i remember the days where we would set up a
1: point and shoot put the timer on and then run in front of it and hope for the best you
0: can actually see now it's not perfect it's a little jerky a little time delayed um but i could kind I could i could see what the camera was seeing and i would adjust based on the image i wanted and then i would Do a bunch of them trying to like, the tricky thing is to take a picture of yourself without it showing that you're holding your phone. Right. Because
1: you (laughs) can't see it in this picture at all. It really looks
0: like you are bending down to examine these beautiful purple blossoms. Even looking at it, I'm like, where is my phone? (laughs) I'm not sure. But yes, I was practicing. I was just trying to learn how to do it. And then those were the photos I shared with you. Mm. And so this photo is me learning how to use my camera and how to take a picture of myself
1: i love it so much in the (laughs) garden that you had to learn how to grow because i actually highlighted a sentence here um this is on page 63 if you have the book in your hands because there's a chapter here called seeds ready set grow and she's chrissy's talking about this famous image we've talked often about how she grew first in like yogurt containers on her windowsill but there's just one line i'm going to read here you wrote here i gardened for 10 years in city apartments and urban community gardens without ever sowing seeds even my lettuces were purchased as, as seedlings from a folding table at the neighborhood plant Sale, there's nothing wrong with that. I was a real gardener doing real gardening, and I just love that. Like here, this cover photo is you learning how to be a photographer in the garden. You had to learn how to grow. Totally, yeah. To buy this book, (laughs) I'm telling you, like it's not just a book about gardening. I'm never going to grow a garden like Christie's. It's a book about becoming. I think that's what it is. It's a book about beauty. It's a book about life. I. And we, we cannot get off today's conversation without making Christy read to us from it because there is an essay that so perfectly connects all the DNA strands of this journey and I just feel like, can you hear in my voice reader how much I want you to have this book? Like, it will encourage you because it will remind you that all of us are on a journey that is not random. I think often that when we scatter flower seeds, it feels random. And and that's what I love about Christy. She gives you permission to be random. Just throw them. (laughs) Throw the zinnia seeds. Throw the seeds. Let it happen. But but. To God, the gardener, the ultimate garden maker, it isn't random. He knows those seeds. We know this because he says things like that in the Bible, like he understands the flowers of the field. He knows how beautiful they are. He himself says they're more beautiful than Solomon. They're not random to him. He's watching them and watering them and growing them and tending them. And if Mm -hmm. he does that with the flowers, how much more will he do it with our lives? Now stepping off soapbox to allow Christy to read. (laughs)
0: Uh, So there was a moment when I was writing the book that I knew something really special was happening. I remember it vividly. So I'm sitting in my office right now as we record, and I'm looking over at the little window seat um, where I have a bookshelf and a window seat that looks out over the driveway. And I can remember sitting over there and pulling a book off my shelf that I hadn't pulled off in years. Um, It was a novel by Virginia Woolf. And the thing is, on my shelves, I have a lot of Virginia Woolf material. I have all her novels. I have her collected letters. I have her collected diaries. And the reason is, um is because in graduate school, the dissertation I wrote had a whole chapter on Virginia Woolf. So, she was a big part of my research material and my, like, I mean, I lived and breathed Virginia Woolf for a couple years there and since then have really had no no Virginia Woolf in my life at all. But that day I, I was writing, I sat down to write an essay and I don't even remember how it happened, but I pulled that book off and this is the essay. I'll just read the beginning. So this is later in the book. If you have it, it is page 137. Um, And it is called Flowers of Importance. And the image next to it is um, a bouquet of roses um, against the brick wall of our house. So, Flowers of Importance. There is a moment early in Virginia Woolf's novel, The Waves, in which the characters as children play in a garden. In their imaginations, it is a wild, undiscovered country, or it is a fairyland for elves. But no matter what they imagine, their play must account for the lady, quote, who sits between the two long windows, writing, while the gardeners sweep the lawn with giant brooms. In this world, even the expansive imagination of childhood offers only a partial escape from a world of class traditions and proper behavior that will soon claim the children for its own. In Wolfe's novel, Gardner's sweeping becomes a refrain as enduring and unshakable as the waves crashing on the shore— that proper nineteenth century English world depicted and dissected in Wolfe's early twentieth century fiction is a world in which ladies do the flowers. Possibly Wolfe's most famous novel begins with preparations for a party and the line quote, Mrs. Dalloway said she would buy the flowers herself. And in the To the Lighthouse, Mrs. Ramsay, a character inspired by Wolfe's own mother, studies the flowers and frets over whether to send flowering bulbs to the gardener in fall, while her husband, preoccupied with his work, quote, did not look at the flowers, which his wife was considering, but at a spot a foot or so above them. In so many novels, women of a certain class busy themselves with flowers because they are not allowed to busy themselves with more important work, why then, in a 21st century world of endless choice, would anyone, man or woman, spend time arranging flowers? Flower arranging is a pointless art. And that, dear reader, is precisely the point. <laughs> And then I go on so to talk about my love for picking flowers. <laughs> oh, so great. There's the PhD <laughs> professor of English
1: and the garden maker. I feel like emotional just seeing that come full circle. I feel like yeah. it whispers hope to the rest of us, just like flowers do. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I, I knew when I was writing that, like that... The old Christie and the current Christie have come together and are writing this essay about my love for the absolutely frivolous, pointless, wonderful art of growing flowers and sharing them with others. <laughs> mm-hmm
1: listeners you really need this book you need to get it into your hands it's incredibly special and as we did last week we want to remind you that these two weeks of leading up to the book launch and now this week that the book is in the world we are planning to send a signed copy from Christy to one of you don't let that stop you ordering one because you're going to want to give one to a friend I promise you it is in my opinion the ideal Mother's Day gift to you. it's just an incredibly beautiful giftable book it's the kind of book you don't want to put on a bookshelf you want out on like I have actually two copies myself and I have another one coming in the mail because I also ordered it and I have them out. I have them all out on my desk right now next to me so I can see them. They're very inspiring. They're incredibly beautiful. The plum cover is so pretty. Um, So if you want to be entered to win a copy personalized from Christy, please go ahead this week and share this podcast episode. But make sure you tag at Christy Purifoy so that she knows that you did Um, and spread the word about this week's episode and Christy's book. And we'd love to pick someone between last week and this week to send a free copy. To, But Christy, I'm so glad that you traded your classroom for this farmhouse that's only an hour and a half away from us, because you're still my favorite professor. Christy is still the person I call with all my writing troubles, and now Peter calls you with his gardening questions. So it feels (laughs) like the perfect friendship marriage we are so glad has lasted all these years.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I feel nothing but grateful for all the bends and twists in the past You know that's what they felt like at the Mm -hmm. time. Now, of course, I look back and I just see the straight road. But I feel so grateful for that whole twisty, winding journey that has brought me here. Um, And and I feel like I can say with confidence that even though our lives are all so different, and um, you know, we do lose things sometimes, we say goodbye to certain things. But the thing I feel absolutely more and more confident of every day is that when we allow God to write our stories. And when we just faithfully follow, he is just too good a writer, too perfect a storyteller, to leave little dangling bits and pieces with no meaning. He brings it all together for good, and he gives it all a meaning so that it's all brought together into um, something beautiful. And so this is how it has looked in my life, and I'm so grateful. But I know he's doing that for each and every one of us, absolutely.
1: Mm. The book is called Garden Maker, Growing a Life of Beauty and Wonder with Flowers, available everywhere you buy your books.